You're listening to Hot Garbage. Another episode of the Hot Garbage Podcast, your weekly music playlist. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We are so happy to have you. If this is your first time to the garage with Andy, Nate, and I, welcome. We hope you'll have a good time. If you're coming back, so great to see you once again. My name is Drew. Joining me, as always, is the au pair to my babysitter, my dear friend Andy. (laughs) Ashante. Igualmente. Uh, our silent partner today is with us, making the sound happen as he does each and every week. This week's episode is not brought to you by Blue Apron, but Andy, I have been—I've become a recent subscriber to Plate, Are you a fan? to Plated, which is a similar food delivery service. And I will tell you one thing: it is—I've done both Blue Apron and Plated now as the the two services. Blue Apron is—the food is worse than Plated, but it is a lot easier to cook. I've cooked uh-huh. two meals that are supposed to take me 40 minutes, and they each took me an hour and a half. A fucking hour and a half to make two of these meals. What were they? Well, tonight was uh, it was a sesame broccoli and peppers with this um, sort of thin uh, bread that I made. And then yesterday I made uh, chicken meatballs. Wow. Nice. That beats my SpaghettiOs and uh, grilled cheese sandwiches. Well, I'm learning to feed myself now that I've... You know, I'm 35. I'm finally, finally decided it's time, time to cook a meal for myself. It's time to start eating out but of I boxes am, that come in the mail. <laughs> yes, it is finally time to be an adult child. But I am terrible at cooking in any kind of an efficient way. And it's almost like for me, it's almost like learning a different language or reading like computer code because I'll read a very simple set of food instructions and none of it will will sink in. So I'll end up reading the same three lines of instruction like seven times to try to figure out what I'm supposed to cook. Oh, yeah, definitely. That happens to everybody. I do the same thing with my phone. I just have it there, and I'm looking at the recipe. Mm-hmm. It could be so simple, but I forget every part of it. There was a lot of flour involved in tonight's recipe. That was a, a tough thing to contain in an apartment. Flour gets everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Have you ever had this thing... I don't know. This is this might be totally unique to me, but when you handle some kind of powder, where it like gives you a very awful feeling, it gives you like a weird buzz, like a quasi nausea kind of thing for me. Like fine powders, like chalk dust. I don't really know how to describe it. It's huh. this weird kind of sensation, and I it was a lot of me having to deal with digging into powders this afternoon. Sounds like your body has a deep craving for cocaine. <laughs> I don't think I could handle cocaine. Or at least I couldn't handle like the finest cocaine. Yeah. You prefer the stuff that's more like flour. Right. Man, speaking of food, real quick here. You know what fucking bothers the shit out of me that I just realized? People who push their food onto their fork with their knife. What do you mean? What's wrong with that? That's some bougie bullshit. What if you got a small pile of things that you want to make sure you don't miss? You saying use your fingers? No, I'm saying just use your fork. That's but what if you can't like spear or scoop? This fork is a, it's a, you know, it's got. <laughs> Hoagie has some thoughts on uh, that. Sorry, my dog is. Andy's dog is just right in my lap because he doesn't like my position on f- forking and knives. Yeah. He's really, he's really a guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Our silent partner has a thought. So he's going to jump on the microphone and tell us about um, probably why we're both eating wrong. Nate? So, so in Thailand, Thailand, they're like super smart about like food in general but uh 
They use the uh, the spoon as the main utensil, and then you use your fork to push the food into the spoon. So mm -hmm. it it's so smart. It works so well. Uh, maybe a little less less bougie than the knife and the fork. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is that I, just, I saw a dude at Jam this weekend eating like pancakes like that, and I was like, "Who the fuck are you trying to impress, buddy?" It's a flaw to make the spoon your main utensil, though, because things taste better with a fork. And you look classier with a fork. Think of all the pointing and gesturing you can do while you're eating. It's a very good acting utensil Yeah. for our finest American actors. I think that it's the better, uh, better utensil. Let's say you've got... This is just an example, Andy. But let's mm -hmm. say you are, you've, got, you've eaten your way down to the bottom of a big pile of corn. Some off the cob corn, mm -hmm. and there's like six kernels left. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be spearing those individually, but that's a, that's a bite right there. Don't you want to scoop something into your mouth? Oh yeah, that's when I just uh, throw them away. <laughs> I just throw that plate in the trash. No, six pieces of corn. That's a bite. No, it's it's a solid bite. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I think I would just go. I just go fingies. Just grab that. That's shit fair. And just mash it into my I, face. I could live in a world where we were allowed to go fingies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On our food, our mm -hmm. fingy food. That'd be like the final bite is for fingies. Uh, finger, fingy bang that food. I'm with you. Yeah. Speaking of fine cocaine, Andy, this episode is like some uh, audio nose candy. Our guest this week is, I'm going to go ahead and say Portland music legend, Yeah, Mike Kirkendall. He was with us here in the studio. Um, Mike has been playing music uh, for... 25, 35 years. Um, he is both a songwriter in his own right. He's played in several of his own bands. He's also a producer and a recorder. He's had a chance to work with artists like M. Ward, Blitz and Trapper, um, She and Him, Bright Eyes. Um, mm -hmm. And he's played a, some role in a lot of uh, Portland musicians' careers uh, recently. So a great guest to have. Had a lot of perspective on music. Played some great tunes that he's been a part of. And uh, just to let you know, you can check out Mike at his website. So his last name is spelled differently than it sounds. So his website is Mike, C-O-Y-K-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. He's also, as I said, he also owns his own recording studio, which is Blue Rooms Studios. So you can go to blueroomspdx.com if you'd like to work with Mike after you listen to our fabulous conversation with him on this week's episode of Hard Garbage. Did you ever read In Cold Blood growing up? No, but I saw the movie. Oh, you did? That's probably yeah. even worse. Did it affect you as a Kansan? Um... You know, I, I don't think for a little while I even knew it was in Kansas. The first yeah. time I saw it, I might have been 10 or something like that. You know, it was just on TV. And then I found out not too shortly, long after that, that that was in Kansas and then um, western Kansas, which is a couple hundred miles away. Oh, okay. So you were you were buffered from that. A little bit buffered. <laughs> so were you in a part of Kansas where music came through? Did you have touring musicians coming through town? Not in my little town, but... We were 35 miles outside of Wichita, okay. and Wichita would get, you know, some stuff, you know, if it was either big enough or had an off day, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, it was like certain, you know, the Kansas Coliseum would have REO Speedwagon or, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> nice. something like that. Pat Benatar, I saw Pat Benatar. Was it one of those things where it was like, 
there's something going on, we have to go to it. Didn't really matter who was playing. Mm. Mm, not amongst my little town. When I was when I was in high school, definitely I di- I wasn't under that. It was like going to a concert would have been a really rare thing, and I was kind of weird for <laughs> even wanting to go to a concert or caring yeah. about music enough to like to search this out. journey to see this stuff. You know where there might be all kinds of trouble. Plus, you know, it's like you know, five hundred people in five churches in my town. You know, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you had some options for live music then. So that's what you said. Yeah, well, yeah, church. You heard live music. Yeah. yeah. What's the first show that you remember seeking out? Like I'm going. I'm getting these tickets. The first like live music experience that you were excited about. Um. Well, the first one that was the trek we made. I would have been uh, a junior in high school, and I was in charge of finding the band because they knew I liked music and bands, and I was already playing in a in a band there in my little town. It's our first band. And uh, uh, we went up t- and got ourselves into this 21 and over club to, to check out this band to hire for the prom. And so that was kind of <laughs> exciting, but it was also kind of scary because I, I knew we weren't supposed to be in there. You know, it was like we kind of talked our way in the front door. Nice. Like, it was kind of weird. That's exciting. We'd only saw like us. They'd say we could only stay for one set because we were like 16 or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so they let us stay for one set. But the next one was Cheap Trick, and that was oh, a year oh, later. Nice. And that one I was pretty excited for. In a town of that size, how did you start playing music? What was your uh, kind of your entryway into making your own music? Well, my uh, brother and my sister both played guitar around the house. And I remember my brother also played drums just a little bit, but they were much older than me, and uh, seven and 11 years older than me. And they wow. both also left our, our house like at 15 or 16 or 17 or whatever. They left early. and uh, But it was in my mind. It was cool, and I loved it, and I, I just liked the sound of music. And then just to be able to know, see them doing it, and you know, yeah. just a little bit. They probably weren't very good. I'll actually... They might have been really good. I don't know. They didn't continue with it, but they played it. They played it around. I think when they're 11 years older than you and they're doing it in your house, they are like the best musicians in the entire world. Yeah. At that yeah. point. Remember, well, my brother could play Day Tripper. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And some Chuck Berry kind of stuff on the guitar. Oh, nice. Yeah, this white electric guitar. And my sister would play more like Joan Baez style, style stuff or like, uh, you know, Busted Flat and Baton Rouge, that, you know, uh, me and Bobby McGee kind of stuff, you know. Nice. Free Spirit Hippie. 1971 stuff or 70. (laughs) What was the first band you remember taking seriously or the first kind of musical project of your own? Of my, of my own? Of your own. Yeah. Um, Clyde Connor probably, Hmm. which was my band that played the songs that I wrote and other people in the band wrote before that it was uh, cover bands that would have one or two or three originals, you know, that they'd slip in here or there. What songs were you covering back then? Oh, um, well, we would have to play three sets, and we were only 18, whatever, years old. And um, so it would be a mixture of anything we could learn that was easy, that sounded like we knew it. Uh-huh. Like Riding the Storm Out by Speaking of Ario Speedwagon has three chords just over uh-huh. and over again, and you've heard it on the radio, so like you can kind of just do it without even mm-hmm. practicing it. So that gets thrown in there, just third set, you know. And then you have your stuff that you're excited about playing but maybe that's 20 songs so like you know i always liked playing beatles stuff and uh, we didn't do too much in that 
that band though, the Beatles stuff. We were new wave was happening, so you know we did everything from Flocks Seagulls hit to uh, to the Duran Duran to what else? We did that Alice Cooper uh, "We're All Clones" song, you know that kind of oh, that's almost new wavy stuff, you know. Uh-huh. <coughs> I bought a synthesizer and was playing synthesizer and uh, an electric rhythm guitar, and there was three singers. And, you know, we were just playing for people that were our age, mostly, or a little bit older, or whatever. And if they danced, you know, people danced back then. It was like dancing and drinking. And mm-hmm. It's like it was one of the few things. They were usually pretty crowded, college towns, especially, you know. It's a little disappointing that the dancing has gone away. Like, I myself, I'm not a big dancer, so I'm not going to talk too much shit. But it would be nice to go to one of these, like, these old school where concerts where people just kind of throwing themselves around foolishly, as adults, even. You know, I'd right. like, I like I miss that era. Yeah, that was yeah. good because the drinking is still there, but it's a lot of standing and drinking. Right, mm-hmm. right. The hippie crowd they they dance. They do dance. That's true, and I give them a lot of shit for it. So yeah, yeah so <laughs> yeah. so you can't do it. Then, I'm a right? big part you, of the problem. You just yeah. I feel the same way you do. I love it when a mosh pit breaks out, but it seems to always happen right in front of me when I just got a beer and it just blows my beer up in my face. I, I don't like mosh pits, really. Have you guys begun to feel tired at shows yet? Like, I feel like I'm far too young to feel tired, but, like, <laughs> I went to a show on for, uh, last Saturday, and I, I was really into it, but I was I was totally ready for it to be done. Dude, I've been there. I fell asleep at an Humphreys McGee show. I just, well, that like, doesn't sat down for a minute me. and just passed out. Yeah, and you missed a song and a half, and, like, 40 minutes go by. Yeah. And then you're back in. Well, Mike, before we get any further, I, we should probably play some tunes. I know you brought some music to share with us. Uh, Dealer's Choice, what's the, what's the first song you'd like to kick us off with this evening? Well, I was told you guys would like to focus on things that I played in or, or local stuff. Yeah, So yeah. Um, I brought um, three things that I played the drums on really? for other people that I, nice. I like their music that ended up on their records. And then another guy that I just like his song, and he's out of Seattle, and it's just kind of a... Uh, obscure but beautiful song, you know. Well, where should we start? Um, that one sounds interesting. Let's start with that one. Let's start with Bill Patton. Um, his song's called Alchemy, and I believe it came out on a record about five years ago. Six, and he's out of six, Seattle? Maybe. Seattle. It's great. Fantastic. Let's check it out. Make it to the city of gold. 
taking up all my time. dog in this war I hope they both lose They never get what they're fighting for But taking care of business has never been my strong suit It's just taking up all my time If I make it fountain of youth I will come home ridiculous and bearing syphilis traveling back in time it's never been my strong suit it's just taken up all my time What's your favorite part about playing on other people's songs? Well, I don't have as much invested in them. I, not that I don't take them mm-hmm. seriously. I don't have <laughs> not having any personal as much personal baggage. I was gonna say nice, you can like really just say. shit on someone else's song and really well, phone it in. You know, you can you can be more loosey goosey a little mm-hmm. bit about things because it's their ultimate choice to direct you or choose. You mm-hmm. know, so. If they tell me to straighten it out or whatever, I'll do that. But also I might try some, I don't know. There's also, I don't know. You take bigger risks? Take, like, check I this take out. big risks, risks on my own stuff, though, but usually when I'm alone and, uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's see. Um, I guess it's just that it's somebody else's responsibility to decide in the long run. Well, the pressure's well, off works. you, right? The pressure's so off me. You're taking I can direction. just go free and try to be as good as I can be in that moment. And, and Does that kind of freedom ever, like, do you ever feel as if in that setting you're able to play your best, whereas if it's your stuff, maybe there's too much control or too much... Is, yeah, is there ever a difference or... Yeah? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. What are some... You were talking... I'm interested in what you qualify as a risk when you're writing your own songs and you think, okay, I'm taking a little bit of a risk here. What, is, what does that mean to you in your own songwriting? Oh well, I've my last eight years or whatever or more have been like writing in in the studio at the same time. So like a lot of time, the song that's on the record is is pretty much just improvised on the spot, and I just have improvised a bunch of stuff and just selected that as like one that came out sounding like a finished song, you know. And then I just overdub on it. So that's kind of a risk, you know. It's it, I don't, it's not a risk. Because I don't have to play the bad stuff for anybody. So do you just like let the table? If I was to do that live, now that would be a risk. Just like making up songs on the spot all night long. <laughs> People would hate it because most of it would be awful. Is it something you get in there and you have like a concept in your head and you just let it run until the right stuff comes out, or how does that process work when you're when you have to get down to business? Oh um, yeah, sometimes I have a concept. 
like or a uh, desire to work in a certain manner you know mm-hmm. a lot of it's like at this point like i'm not really chasing any kind of trend but i mean i mean i can't i don't know what they are and uh, <laughs> so i just become an, you know i just get to mix up everything else that i've chased or liked in my life and a few new things now and again but uh uh and then so i just i just play and uh and see what happens, you know, like, but certain days, you know, you definitely feel like I want to be loud today, yeah. you know, and other days it's like, I'm just going to be quiet because it's kind of late. And I think, I think I want to just play acoustic anyway, real quiet. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Some days I'll wake up and I'll just be like, today I'm just going to whisper. I'm just going to whisper. And the world's just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Other days I'm going to scream. I'm going <laughs> to scream everywhere yeah. at my employer. That's most days. Yeah. I get that feeling. I'm curious. You've been writing songs and playing music for such a long period of time. Uh, what has been the most positive change aside from your playing? Put aside your like your your craft. What has been the most positive change in that you've seen in yourself as an artist in the time that you've been writing songs? The most positive change, yeah. Um, and the most negative. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Let's see. Most positive change would be that I got better, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, and it, you know, I started taking longer, you know, and not just putting out anything because I was impressed I could do anything <laughs> right. in my 20s or like, you know, damn, I just wrote 38 songs in two weeks or whatever. And I put them all out or whatever. You know, now I just like, I think it's positive just to not be so happy with yourself, you know, go ahead and put yourself through some paces a little bit. Yeah. You know. What is the most negative change? Has there has there been uh, any the most negative change, change is the, the flip worst? side of that? You also get self conscious, you know, and like less less, you know, you can't finish anything because you know you don't you don't want to finish something just to finish something. Now, where does the self consciousness come from? Because, like you were saying, you've gotten better, you have all this experience, and you you seem to know yourself pretty well. Where is the self consciousness sort of how it's going to be perceived, or where does that come from now? lack of uh, I would say lack of need for what what I'm creating you know there's mm. not any need for another record and I've already done a bunch of them yeah. you know so like that can set you up a little bit to um, not feel like you you um, should just put stuff out there as recordings or whatever playing live is different i think you just play live you have fun if anybody comes fine if nobody does you can do anything you want whatever but um putting out a record it costs money you know Mm -hmm. and it throws in more crap out there you know they more plastic and or whatever or maybe just downloads now i don't know but uh (laughs) but i don't know it's just i don't know there's got to be some plastic unless you have a real need to do it then uh, yeah i heard that if you download something they still press a cd and then you just throw (laughs) it in the trash (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's right in the landfill (laughs) Mm -hmm. so now vinyl it's even worse right (laughs) you know vinyl they burn that it's weird yeah yeah on a pile of tires what a waste yeah exactly it's awful what an industry um when you're talking about need, are, are you talking about sort of your own need as a musician or a need from some kind of audience for what you're putting out? A need for, uh, a need, there's no, um, there's no, uh, uh, not enough, um, you know, of a market for it. You know? Right. 
doesn't mean there's not some or whatever, but not enough to justify it. So you're doing it for creative purposes. Exactly. Really yes. <laughs> Believe yeah. us, as as yeah, yeah. hosts of this yes. particular show, okay. we know <laughs> we know our way around a passion project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in that case, what is it about the recording process that's uniquely satisfying to you from the live or just the songwriting part? Getting to play with the sounds. Yeah. I think. And, and kind of honing some things in. Sometimes live, I feel like things, when you get them in, if, if you make a record like you would play it live, you're, you're going to find out it goes on a little long sometimes and is a little sloppy here and there that you'd never <laughs> noticed before. It was never a problem, you know. The ten times you played it live and now you're in the studio and you're recording it just like that, you know. Sometimes, you know. You tighten it up a little bit, and for me, I, I have a shortage. I don't really want long songs and stuff like I'm that. I'm glad you said that. That's that's another motif of this this song. We've got a lot of friends who play in or have played in sort of metal or or stoner metal bands that play yeah. like 12, 13 minute songs, yeah, and that's like, great. Like two live, song right? sets, you know, it's yeah. fun live. Yeah, no, it can that. be yeah, interesting. Yeah. But I'm always been an advocate of like yeah. g- give us your best two give or three us ideas. Your longest song, please. <laughs> that's what I say. Um, Andy, speaking <laughs> of long songs. That is not what I'm going to play for you right now. We are long on music and short on time, so why don't you play a track for us? Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to play you a a track by someone who is exactly the opposite of what we were talking about. This is a bedroom recording artist, basically. Like, just These are very personal songs that were almost never meant for other people to hear. This is an exclusively a band camp artist. No social media page, no physical presence outside of just these songs that she has released under the name Fuck, but... It's F-U-V-K. It was actually a joke about a somebody texted her, fuck, and she misspelled it. So, Which she claims is not even technically the name of this project, but it's where you can find most of this music. Um, she kind of themes her music towards the seasons, and this one is uh, off of an EP called Ghosting that was themed in Labor Day weekend, 1990. Themed around the specific... Mm-hmm. Time of Labor Day weekend. 2016 Labor Day weekend. All right. Is what this is. End of summer. Yeah. And this is a song of that called Come Away With Me. Come 
Well, Mike, I want you brought up the Beatles earlier, and I am a huge Beatles fan, but we don't get a lot of Beatles love on this show. Like, I don't think anybody really hates the Beatles. Except me. This is a big... I hate the Beatles. You do hate the Beatles? They're you, the fucking worst. Now, how can you hate the Beatles? You can't hate the Beatles. No. I do like a lot of Beatles. But we don't get a lot of people... They're not are, hurting for uh, praise. They certainly they, don't they need get our attention. Of, uh, I'm not mm, trying to shed any yeah. new light, but it's if, if you love the Beatles, you tend to think it's really fun to talk about and think about the Beatles. And so I don't ever get a, get a chance to talk about this. I'm only going to ask one Beatles mm. question of mm-hmm. you um, as a fan. What is your, there's no such thing as a deep cut, but what is your favorite like Beatles album cut that isn't like a, on the number ones or something? Right. Maybe long, long, long. Ooh, that's a good one. Andy, you know that track? No. Oh, it is. That is a, a stone groove right there. Nice. That's a good one. It's creepy. It is creepy. It's ethereal. Yeah. I always like Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter's good. Dear Prudence, I think, is my favorite non like big big old hit. All off the white album. Is that your right. favorite Beatles album? It may be at this point. Yeah. It always shifts. Just because it's so weird. Yeah. It's got all kinds of weird stuff on it. None of it doesn't seem most of it doesn't seem too labored, you know? Yeah. It does yeah. seem pretty seems a little looser than the prior two. Yeah. I think it was all written, they all wrote on like acoustic guitars and stuff like that. So it was a little bit mm. more straightforward than... It's in the stuff. books. Well, everybody yeah. always talks about like the best Beatles stuff. What's the fucking worst Beatles album? Is the there a bad Beatles one? Beatles album? Is there a bad Beatles song? Yeah. There's not really There's a bad a one. People shit on Beatles for sale a little bit, but they're wrong about that. That's a really great album. But that tends to be people's least favorite. Well, your fans don't like the Beatles, so yeah. let's not talk <laughs> so about them anymore. So fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> they're all bad. Yeah, Every yeah. single one of them. Yeah. The Kinks, though. Oh, yeah. I, I do love the Kinks. Me too. Um, what else were you listening to like when you were 17? What was your like high school, the stuff you were really yeah. jamming on when you were about that age? 17, I'd already started getting into solo Beatles stuff. Nice. And the Stones. And um, let's see, Pink Floyd. Um, let's see, I hadn't gotten into any like the new wave punk stuff really yet, I think. Um, let's see. Those three I remember. Oh, T-Rex. I had a T-Rex record. Yeah. And that was by chance that I got that record. I feel like a lot of people come across T-Rex by chance. Yeah. I came across him late and I really liked him. I did too. I was late to the game, but I do really like T-Rex. Yeah. Before that, I'd like the monkeys because that was, you know... I was listening to the monkeys just three days ago while I washed dishes. I didn't (laughs) like the Beatles, but I really liked the monkeys because I watched that TV show. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I love that TV show. My sister was obsessed with the monkeys, and she has a, a, a an autographed Peter Tork like eight and a half by eleven that he mailed her. It's a prized possession. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um. What What are you going? So when you think of the, the music that you create for yourself and, and for the people that listen to you, what What are you hoping that that experience is like for the listener? Is there some kind of specific no feeling that you're trying to evoke? No. No. A daydream nightmare. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you'd hope that they liked it, you mm-hmm. know, or or they. Um, and why does somebody like something? They must like it for different reasons, right? Sure, you know, all kinds of different reasons. And but is there something specific in your music that you want people to know? Maybe it's something that they want them to know about you, or is there a way they're like, "This is the way that I appreciate this song, and this is what I hope you experience." Do you have anything like that? Oh, yeah, that's called trying to get the lyric right and get the mood right, the feel right. If you can do those things, then that comes across usually. Anyway. How do you know when it's right? How do you know when you, like, if you got there? A single tear. 
No, there is there is a little once in a while. Every once in a while, there's a little bit of almost an out of outer out of body experience when you're hearing a playback on something that you didn't realize was going to be very good, and then it was yeah better than anything else that you've done that was you worked way harder on, and then and there's this thing, and it's like and it, and all the lyrics make sense and work together, and then you just know it's right, and if the sound is good on it, then it's like you're like that's that's right, that's strong. The other ones are good too, but that one is my favorite. I Something think. that comes out sort of on its yeah, own. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is that's what it feels right. Right. Interesting. Um, you you've had a chance to to both play music with and record uh, a lot of a lot of great artists that people really know. You've worked with uh, M Ward quite a bit. Um, uh, who else? Like Bright Eyes and not very much with them, but a little bit. Yeah. Um, just a lot of great musicians. Um, what is what is different about the the creative satisfaction of being on the production side versus being on the the songwriting and the performing side? I feel like I'm really competent in that area because I've been doing it like kind of ghetto style for so long because <laughs> you know uh, that I had a lot of years of having ideas and being able to try this and that and also from playing the different instruments you kind of learn what the different instruments might want it here, mm-hmm. you know? And the, I don't know, I just get, I, over time I put it together and I feel like I'm clicking on that level pretty good. It's like I can, I can facilitate people usually, you know, um, uh, if, you... if they're right for my studio or whatever, go somewhere else. But I feel like I know how to keep it moving along and make it make sense and not make mistakes that you're great later, regret later, sure. technical things and stuff like that. So gotcha. it feels good to be able to do a good job, I guess. Yeah. When you're you talked about facilitating, I was pretty interested in that word choice because that means you have to sort of take almost someone else's creative language and be able to kind of synthesize it across the length of a project. Um, how, how do you jump onto that shorthand? How do you kind of key into someone else's creative process? Um, oh, right. When you're coming at from the outside. <coughs> well, it doesn't. You don't always uh, get it right, you know. Mm-hmm. But I try to screen. A little bit through just having a conversation is like, what does this person want to achieve? Because I know what my strengths and weaknesses, or my even my limitations of space or time or whatever are, you know. And then if I think it's in my wheelhouse to be able to do this, then then you go in, and then of course you know it's not it, it's not you don't know the person yet if there is a new person, um, so. You just go with it, but having a little bit of an initial, you know, conversation is is good, you know, because like there's plenty of play, people to record with or whatever, like sure. like I do. So, what was your question? No, I mean that, that was <laughs> the was, to it. So the okay, trick good. is I, there was no well, question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if I'm doing my job right, you just speak for I'm just like an hour. Um, what's 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 the best Zoe Deschanel story that you have? Oh. God, it's been a while. Um, and you can talk oh, shit about it. Oh, this is a safe a place. Super cold <laughs> night in Portland. Uh, when we were recording that first record that became a She and Him record, the first thing, uh, uh, we were just she was running up Hawthorne Street, you know, and it was cold. It was like one of those nights where it was blowing and cold, and we'd walk down to the sushi place, but just to see this California girl, you know, trying to run ahead of us couldn't believe how cold it was and she's you know we're not necessarily dressed for it but it was funny it was that's that stuck out as kind of matt and i were laughing about 
kind of uh, kind of a weather wuss, huh? All kind right. of a weather wuss, I'd right. say. But it was cold. It was. It was, it was cold. A cold too. forty degrees. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, frigid. Frigid forty. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the wind chill was thirty-seven. So we yeah. were. It was at least freezing or less. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, what's the second track that you'd like to share tonight? Well, let's share, because um, we lost Ralph Carney, um, and this is a Sally Ford track that I played on with her on her last record called Middle Child, and it has uh, flutes and whistles and all kinds of stuff by Ralph Carney in the, some of the instrumental sections, and it was a fun track to record, and I like it. Cool. So it's Sally Ford, Middle Child. <laughs> Most of our, our listeners are really interested in what what you're listening to. So I'm hoping you'll indulge us in a little game segment that we like to do that'll kind of get to what you're, you're into listening to. We call it Scenarios in Stereo. And basically... Um, oh, no, it's called Mood Music. It's called Mood, mood music. music. Mood yeah. Music. Yes. And so basically, I'm going to give you a situation that you find yourself in. And I want you to tell mm. me what kind of music you would like to be listening to or think to listen to mm. during that situation. Or what song. Yeah. So this is called mm. Mood Music. The first situation is you are a deep sea uh, explorer, and you've been down at some 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 really compressed depths for a long time, and you're coming back up, but you have to sit in the decompression chamber for like 36 hours, and you can bring in you know one or two albums. What would you want to bring in during that decompression session? Right. Ooh, that's a good idea. Pet sounds. Ooh. 
Um, the Carter family. Probably those two. And the original cast recording from mm-hmm. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it would be like deep drone music, like some Sun O and like some uh, Boris. I think like I would. Low I think, drone. I think I would go pretty down the middle, but I would bring like. I think I'd bring Dark Side of the Moon because I could listen to that. It's long. It does a lot of different stuff. I could listen to that can, over that's and a over good again. Call. Yeah, I think um, and I know it well enough that I can both tune in and tune out mm-hmm. of it. Right. Uh, and Wu-Tang Forever because it's a double album. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I would need another double album, perhaps. But then I would mm, want something right. I don't really know well enough that I've always meant to yeah, listen and to. and Blink-182 never put out a double album. No. Mike, do you have any kind of relationship with Blink-182? Not Zero. personally. Zero. Okay. All right. right. True. I heard. Okay, so I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's some other bands that you might like if you like Blink 182. <laughs> there's a band called Boxcar Racer. Oh, sure. That might, sure. You might like. And there's another one called Angels and Airwaves. Yeah, and there is another revamped version of Blink 182. What? So if you like Blink 182, you can continue to listen to them. Nice. They're called Blink 183. Can you guys describe what Blink 182 sound like to me? They are like the quintessential radio pop punk from 2000. Okay. I think some would call it butthole punk. <laughs> I, waxed butthole punk. <laughs> like skateboard kind of? Yes. No. V- well, yeah, I would say no. it's skate. Well, they're, they're okay, like, it's not like oi skateboard. It's like a uh, suburban skateboard. Okay, it's like right. skate park. They're like TRL punk. TRL punk, sure. Are you familiar with the the, like, sh- the like MTV the- show? Yeah. No. Total Request Live. No. From like ninety eight to through two thousand five. Did it's, not have cable. Yeah. It's it's irrelevant. It's an irrelevant footnote in music history. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second uh situation um we'd be curious to hear about. You walk outside after a long day of recording, a pretty pretty intense session. You're ready to, you know, go home and just kick back, and you come out of the studio and you see that your tires have been slashed. Once you've you've done cursing, what's the what's the the music you want to listen to to soothe you? Whatever's on the triple A hold. Line, <laughs> Immediately hold music. Just get on it right now. Yeah. Oh Lord man, that life, would make me so much angrier. Hold music when I'm already <laughs> furious. Oh, mm. I'm doing triple A no. advertisements. Not really, but mm-hmm. uh, no. Um, what would I? What would I want to? I don't know. Calm down to you mean? Well, like, maybe. So maybe mm-hmm. you want to like bring yourself off the edge, but I guess maybe you really just want to like ramp it up and just rage. I guess I would probably just go with silence and just think about what I'm going to do next for mm. just a second. I'd go with that Chemical Brothers song with the train video. Just the, the long... Oh, sure. Yeah. I think Something I would go with... mid-2000s Chemical Brothers. I think I'd go with Sweet Judy Blue Eyes by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, just to take the edge off. And it's, that's a good long track. It's too. long, too, yeah. exactly. I can, I can take a walk around the block to that one. Well, see, I think... No problem. Yeah, when I'm... Calling the tow service or whatever, I, I got a good chance of hearing that anyway. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know. true. Yeah. Do 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 Yeah, you might get it if you're yeah, lucky. That's that's yeah. That's a be a cool, pretty cool hold mm. music. Um, okay, another situation you found yourself in. You're quite an adventurous music listener, but you're on um, safari, and your your convoy of jeeps has pulled over, and it's a pretty calm day. You're seeing some great nature, but near the end of the day. Uh, all of a sudden, out of this this watering hole, a hippo is stor- is like charging at your jeep, and you are able to 
in in you know an action star kind of move, like swerve into the hippo, avoid damage to the vehicle, and save the people that are in it. But you did clip and accidentally kill the hippopotamus. What would you on the convoy be listening to after that sort of somber and scary moment? Um, some show tunes or oh, okay, lighten the mood. <laughs> A little. Uh, I think I'd go with Jim Croce. Some some best of Jim Croce. Operator? Yeah, Operator. Yeah. I'd go with Sniper by Harry Chapin. You don't mess with Jim? You don't mess around with Jim, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Bad, Bad Leroy Brown? Yeah. I love both of those. Songs. Such a good... Such a good good grooves. Yeah. <laughs> good acoustic grooves, man. Yeah. Tough little... It's not so bad to yeah. accidentally kill a hippo. It was you or him. Yeah. So why, why wallow mm-hmm. in it, you know? Yeah, let's get over it. Now what, you have this what? super cool hippo coat. exactly and hippo blanket yeah yeah okay the last the last situation i have for you is um you have made this like phenomenal meal for yourself you're like man i I got this perfect recipe i've been in the kitchen everything is just right this is exactly the meal i want for myself i've waited all day for this and as you're walking to your table to sit down you spill the plate and all the food is rolling around on this this dirty floor. What are you listening to as you're picking up the remains of this God, tragedy? Do you guys really put records on in those kind of situations? Do you guys, I've got to hear something right now. Oh man, I, I just was... dropped all my food. There it is. Well, I think that. What I am I going to put on? Alice Cooper. Like if, is Alex like I, Cooper going to help me out here? He might <laughs> be my Frankenstein. <laughs> I think that if I lived in a world where I could snap my fingers and listen to music, every situation would be soundtracked. If, I, uh, I, was, I don't think it works that way. I, I was at a dinner party where I was playing music and someone dumped, my, my, bro- my brother-in-law dumped an entire lasagna on the ground upside down. And I, it was immediately turned that music off. Fuck. What do we do? It was, it was the music went off immediately? The, or like, yeah, it was a lot I want to enjoy this silence. Yeah. But I would put on some... Uh, What's that dude's name? Yeah, turn that music back on. I want to hear some Blue Vega. I want to hear Mambo Number Five. Mambo Number Five. Uh, Because then you, yeah, it would just be like Mm -hmm. completing the the Mm -hmm. vision that you're in hell. Mm -hmm. Just the perfect soundtrack to hell. Yeah. Speaking of soundtracks to hell, Andy, what do you got dialed up for us? Oh boy, I've been listening to some uh, some breakcore, some drill and bass from Russia. Yeah. Oh this man, sounds, this sounds rough. You're gonna love this. This is from Ufa, Russia. I think I'm spelling, saying that right. UFA. Uh, this is called. This is a band called Ill Fat Liza. Okay. And this song is called Superbia.
Mike, if there was another sort of creative outlet outside of music, uh, what what would you choose to be to be good at if you if you weren't good at music if you didn't have that? I think taking pictures is fun. Oh yeah, and it's but that's, but that's so attainable that anybody can kind of do that now that has a cell phone or whatever. I don't know. I take a lot of cell phone. Well, a decent amount of cell phone pictures, and they all look like shit. So I can I can certainly do it, but it does not like anything like what my eyeball sees. I've heard that the trick to that is you're supposed to spit on your camera on your phone to make it lens, look better, and it makes it look so much better. <laughs> Gives you that cool like macro lens, right? But then there's you know, uh, uh, <laughs> then you get spit on your phone. Just lick it, and it's not always consistent. No, sometimes you... it's great. Sometimes it fucking sucks. You yeah. know, definitely take some bad pictures, but. You get a couple good ones, it might be worth it. <laughs> I take it you are a photographer with a real spit-free camera? 
I have one camera that is spit free and I don't use it. I like to keep it tucked away in a drawer. Okay. Yeah. Just in case spit gets on it. Yeah. Right. You <laughs> would avoid that. <laughs> no, I don't take very many pictures. I take, you know, but I, I, I do think it's fun to take pictures and, it, and it's like, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's like, I'm certainly not a photographer, but it would be a fun hobby and I, I could see myself maybe getting into it more. Mm-hmm. Um, How about you, Drew? What art would I choose if I... Oh, I barely do it. I don't have any art now, so I have, mine's a blank slate. I could pick anything. I would pick... You know what? I would love to be really great. In music, I would love to be a really great singer. It would be awesome if I had this like beautiful, powerful voice. Otherwise, if I was a really good artist, like, a, like, a, like if I could draw really well, I would be like a cartoonist or something. Mm-hmm. That would be my choice. I'd like to be like really good with an airbrush. Like uh, be one of those dudes who could like whip out like a dragon in like 15 seconds that was like hella dope and get one of those time lapse videos of you making like mm. layered yeah yeah and doing like cool ass graffiti letters mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be cool you could work the state fair circuit with that I think oh yeah oh shit you would be killer on the, the state fair circuit dude and you know how much I love funnel bread yeah it, <laughs> blue ribbon graffiti by yeah. Andy Fix yeah that could be the name of your solo album too, Blue Ribbon Graffiti. That sounds pretty good. It does sound good. Yeah, that's solid. Mike, another thing I'm curious about is um, what what is one band that you wish more people would compare you to? Like, if you could pick, like, oh man, I want to be compared with this artist. Who would it be? The Lord Jesus Christ Himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. I I did see a review nice. for your latest album that was uh you know comparable to Jesus Christ. It said comparable, comparable, yeah, comparable. Yeah. Some differences. The Jesus Christ of Portland folk. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you? How I don't know. I don't think about that. No. Um, you know, anytime it, I get compared to somebody that I think is good. Then it makes me happy. Like I got Tom Petty comparisons sometimes, you know. So oh yeah, I can definitely hear some um, of that. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool, all right, good. I love Tom Petty. I would say, uh, yeah, Tom Petty. I can hear like a like a Tom Petty cross with Tom Waits. Kind sure, of, I like, uh, love listening to Tom Waits over the years. Yeah. Um, who was who was your least favorite comparison that you've heard before? Um, Billy Corgan. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, a Kermit the Frog. Oh, really? oh, harsh, harsh. So it said your voice sounded like Kermit the Frog? Yeah. Or just re- your lyrics? In a review writing. in some magazine back in the mid 90s or something like that. Man, Kermit's got chops, though. He sang a bunch of cool songs. Rainbow Connection. I think it won an Oscar. Yeah. I suppose there was, yeah. Yeah. Some but that's supposed to be an insult, though. It like, is supposed to be an insult. Like an oh, insult. I see. Oh, if I somebody saw. told me I sang like Kermit the Frog, I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sing you. Well, he had hits. Let me get my guitar. Hits. Moving right along, footloose and fancy free. Oh, that song rules. It's a hot jam. The whole Muppet movie. Who wrote that one? There was someone, some well-known songwriter. Tim Burton. (laughs) Songwriter Tim Burton. Songwriter in his early work. Has there been ever a band when you you could tell someone was trying to be, you know, nice and say, "Oh man, this is great," and you're like, you heard the comparison, you're like, "There have been a few of those. Those are not uncommon." But uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now on what they were. Yeah, people always compare our podcast to ninety nine percent invisible, which is very <laughs> fucking insulting. <laughs> there are a lot of like though. Yeah. Uh, Come on, guys. Who are some people you're listening to now? Well, uh, you know, who are some of the, the what's on your? Uh, I don't know. What do people listen to? iPods, record players. Well, it's embarrassing, but I would say for the last it's years, Kermit the Frog. 
uh, <laughs> I haven't I haven't really had like one thing that I was really just tuned into listening to. Yeah. Uh, except the things that I'm working on, because then you'll obsessively sometimes have a few things that you're kind of listening to a lot. Yeah. And then you're in Portland, so you go to a few shows, you know, here or there, and uh, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for. Uh, like going down rabbit holes with something that I'm obsessed with, like I used to, you know. Mm-hmm. What's have your inspirations changed? Have like the touchstones that you go back to when you're writing songs have those changed as your career has advanced? Are there new artists that get added to that inspiration list all the time? Oh yeah, all the time, all the time, all the time. Yeah, yep. yeah. Whoever's playing sometimes, just at that moment, you it know, just grabs you. You're like just. Damn, that's it right there. Well, speaking of who's playing, I know you have one more track to share with okay. us. What's cool. the uh, what's the third song that you wanted to play this evening? Um, let's see. I'm gonna play "Hail Bob" by Charlie Maxton. Oh, all right. Before we go, we do like to usually end the show with some 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 kind of quick hitter questions for you, some sort of rapid fire if you're game. This week we've got a theme, and the theme for these questions this week is you are a ghost. 
So that'll be the theme for these questions. Um, so uh, when you've passed away, you find yourself uh, a ghost. You're haunting the earth in some capacity. First question, where would you choose to haunt if you got to, cho- if you got to pick? Probably somewhere warm. Someplace warm. All right. Some, oh. some, somewhat temperate. T- San Diego, perhaps. Oh, San Diego. Nice. For me, without a doubt, it's Cedar Point. Yeah. That's oh, fuck. Haunting thrills. an amusement park? Yeah. Ooh, that's like ghost heaven. Okay, that's okay. That brings me right into the follow up question. So you're in San Diego. It's a nice place to be a ghost. Would you be the kind of ghost that's very peaceful, generally friendly, um, or would you be kind of the trying to terrify everybody kind of ghost? I'd like to think I'd be all of those things. Yeah, but you can mix it up. But probably, if you had to choose, yeah. I'd probably try to be somewhat considerate. Um, mm-hmm. But you know. Yeah. If I was going to be a ghost, I think I'd be what would be qualified as a murder ghost. <laughs> murder ghost. Where I would try and wreak yeah. as much havoc as ghostly possible. Uh, I would be the kind of ghost that, like, there's a couple that is driving down the road and they are lost. And they pull over and they see me walking by. And the guy gets out and he asks me for directions, gets back in the car. And she goes, so did you get some directions? He goes, yeah, I did from that guy over there. And I'm gone. That's oh, the kind of ghost I want to be. The helpful oh. disappearing ghost. Yeah. Right. That's a good one. Because then you get to see their reaction. So it's like candid camera. You're just like living in cam- That's candid right. camera. I oh. want to give a lot of people this like really uncanny feeling that they've had an experience with a ghost, but they're never sure. I want to be the kind of ghost where if you're at Cedar Point and if you walk into this certain bathroom and look in the mirror and you see my face, you shit your pants. What you should do, Andy, is if you're a Cedar Point <laughs> ghost, you know... <laughs> I mean, that is terrifying. Because, <laughs> yeah. oh, man, that's the last place you want to shit your pants, let me tell you. No. Cedar Point. But uh, <laughs> in terms of places where it's pretty convenient to ditch your underwear, I would say Cedar Point's high on that list. Because <laughs> they do have a water park. <laughs> There's yeah, probably showers. Water park and like, I guarantee you wouldn't be the only shitty pair of underwear in a Cedar, pork, uh, Cedar Point trash can. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I have to look up the Cedar Point. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. in Sandusky, Ohio. It's the roller coaster capital of the world. Okay. It's yeah. fantastic. It's a pretty sweet amusement park. We, uh, I grew up in Michigan, which was a good, I don't know, six or something hour drive from it. Yeah, I made it a couple times. It was cool. But I had friends who lived closer, and they got to go a lot. I mean, if you're a thrill seeker, it's worth the trip. Yeah. There was always these groups of gothic teenagers I would see at Cedar Point. They must have had season passes and just gone there. They were and ghost hunters. It. Yeah. Oh, they might have been ghost hunters. You're right. <laughs> ghost hunting teens. Yeah. Speaking of ghost hunters, third question. Um, you know, there are these people now who will like try to get recordings, like those EMT recordings, and they'll plan back and they'll clean it up, and there'll be this like voice on the tape. Are you I, familiar I've with heard this those. at all? I, I yeah. used to listen to Art Bell's show all the time. Sure. Okay. So, like, so let's say you're you're still a ghost. What is the one message you would want them to find embedded in that 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 uh, that white noise? I'm hungry. Ooh, I'm <laughs> that is terrifying. That's yeah. Scary. Yeah. Andy, do you have any thoughts on what your EMT message would be? Oops, I did it again. <laughs> These are pretty good ones. Yeah. And the again would be that you've shit your pants from seeing your face <laughs> in a mirror. Oops, you've did it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, last ghost question. Um, you're in musical ghost heaven. Um, so you're with all these other ghost musicians. Who are the top three music ghosts you want to hang out with? Music ghosts. That's good. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Now remember, Jimi Hendrix is in hell in this scenario. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, so we're going with the heavenly ones. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, you could pick Jimmy. 
I'll go with the heavenly ones. I'd like to go with the heavenly ones. Bob Dylan. So. <laughs> you know, perhaps. Well, he's not dead. Um, maybe Tennessee dead? Ernie Ford. Oh. Let's see. He's probably up there. I'm going to say the Carter family may, may be up there somewhere in heaven, so that's a good call. And uh, Mama Cass. And Mama <laughs> Cass, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> You'll take Mama Cass. I go Janis Joplin, Mac Dre, and uh, Mac Prince. Dre. Oh, Prince would be a good one to hang out with. Prince can sure. fucking rock out with like anyone, so he'd be a pretty cool dude. Well, and also if you're like co-haunting together, mm-hmm. he's a good, he's good to have up your sleeve because mm-hmm. he can he's versatile. Yeah. He's versatile as a musician and mm-hmm. versatile as a ghost to haunt. Yeah, and he would probably have a lot of fun hanging out with Mac Dre and Janis Joplin. Yeah, yeah, it's an easy crowd to get along with. I don't know. Yeah, I think everyone like like, once crew. you're up there, you're you're pretty laid back, right? It's pretty it's pretty chill. <laughs> no one's giving Who each other knows? a lot of grief. Yeah, yeah. gosh. Gigi yeah. Allen. In the future, share. Oh, we'll go with Sonny Bono. He's dead. Gigi Allen, Sonny Bono, and um, um, Easy E. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm drawing a blank on dead musicians. I mean, in my mind, I can only think of living weird musicians that I think will die soon. <laughs> Possibly from fentanyl overdose. Oh, yeah. It's a real thing. You're making a prediction right now here in... Here and now, huh? Don't make death predictions. I don't want to make death predictions. I don't want to. I don't want to curse anybody or have the curse bounce back on me. Right. Yeah. Because as much I, as I've been doing this ghost line of questioning, I do not believe, nor can I mm-hmm. allow myself to believe in ghosts. I feel like I'm riding a razor's edge. If I I, I uh, survived a, a final destination moment, I was driving behind a guy and he had a part of a garage door in the back of his truck and it wasn't strapped down very well mm-hmm. and it flipped up. And in he the turned air around and, and shot a gun through his car at you and yeah. missed. Yeah, he missed, and it bounced off a wall, hit the strap, and the uh, garage door flipped out of the back of his truck and hit the ground in front of my truck and my van, and I stopped. And I was like, man, in another world, that went right through my windshield and decapitated me. When did this happen? Uh, about a month ago. Oh, well, that's death is slow in following up with you, then. Well, I've been avoiding death at every corner, so <laughs> it's been a real rough month. You've been pacing death for a long time. Yeah. Uh, well... Mike, before we let you go, the last question we have, what is the best way in this digital world of ours for people to learn more about you, listen to your music, and find out what you've been up to? Well, I guess the best way in this digital world is just to know how to spell my name, and it's not how it's pronounced. So, uh, But I have a website. It's M-I-K-E-C-O-Y-K-E-N-D-A-L-L is the spelling yeah, of my mic. Spelled Mike. not like it sounds. Not like it sounds. Mike Kirkendall, whatever. But I answer to that. Uh, I answer to anything. Excellent. And I know you also do recording uh, in your studio, the Blue Rooms Studio. Yep, do that. Yeah. So Blue Rooms PDX is the website for that if you're interested mm-hmm. in uh, hearing some stuff that uh, Mike has recorded or recording yourself. Check that out for sure. Yeah. And, and also check out everybody else on uh, Fluff and Gravy. Great record label going on. I think they're sixth year now. Uh, they're putting out a lot of great music yeah so yes they have that. yeah um and what is the name of your most recent release that people should go check out half past present pending came out in 2015 that's 2015. the most recent yeah. and it's awesome uh i've been giving a lot of spins recently it's a great album so everyone please go check that out um uh mike kirkendall thank you so much for being on the show and playing some great music with yeah us. thanks for having it. me on yeah Absolutely. anytime yeah. 
And thank all of you out there for listening to this episode of Hot Garbage. We greatly appreciate it. We hope that you've had a good time with us here in the garage with Mike. Um, if you want to reach out to Andy, Nate, and I, we would love to hear from you. Please do so by emailing us at hotgarbagepodcast at gmail.com. That's H-A-U-T-E, garbagepodcast at gmail.com. Andy, why don't you take us on out with another hot jam? Yeah, uh, let's listen to a Portland artist named Haley Hendricks. She's Please. fantastic. She's got a new album coming out very soon, so check it out. Um, this is a song that's also going to be on that album, but this is actually from the Banana Stand live recording she put out this year that's fantastic, so check that out, too. Those Sounds like a real confluence of, of wonderful. Yeah, and uh, that's Hendrix with an CK with an X after it. And it is uh, the song is called Untitled God Song. Awesome. Well, we'll go out that song and a lot of spelling. So for Mike Kirkendall, for Andy, for Nate, this is Drew. We will see you next week on Hot Garbage.
coat, her hair is all dressed up.